and we have all the information you need to know about ways to get involved here at FFM, our visions and values, and ways to contact leadership. We really hope you come by the Visitor Center today. For our next announcement, Sermon Notes winner. This week's Sermon Notes winner is Trinity Beck. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Trinity a hand? And for our last announcement, Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is Malin Sneed. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Malin a hand? For those of you who don't know, Malin does many things here at FFM. She's one of our worship leaders. She helps with photos and registration during VBS. And most recently, she helped out a lot behind the scenes to organize the ladies retreat. Malin, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. Come and see me and I'll get you a gift card to the Cross Culture Cafe. If you would like to have your announcement placed on this video segment on Sunday mornings, please email ffmnews96 at gmail.com and please do so by Tuesday morning of that week. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and have a great week. There's some exciting, you know, I was looking at um, the picture. Uh, I love that the ladies take a picture uh, at the women's retreat of all the ladies, and, and they had to put some back up on the hill in order, and that was just amazing. Uh, raise your hand if it was your first time going to the ladies' retreat here. Just raise your hand. Did you enjoy yourself, right? It was great. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for everything. So I appreciate the work. I know those ladies work months and months and months on making that weekend happen and um, hope that you receive something from the Lord. And uh, like my wife would say, this is, this is not a lady spa weekend. We're going to do some business with Jesus. And, um, you know, if you need a spa weekend, we encourage you to take one. Uh, but that is not the emphasis of that weekend uh, for sure. So uh, thank you for, I want to say as your pastor, ladies, thank you for going away. And encountering the Lord together. Amen. I, I really do. I want to say thank you for going away. And, and, and encountering God. But God, yes, absolutely. Dads, uh, I mean, like we should look forward to this. And let me tell you something. If you think that it, it's a lot of money and those things, I want to encourage you. I think Tanya Wells uh, did an illustration last year. You, you st Listen, I, I love to go out west hunting every other year. And so I have an envelope. Yeah. So I have an envelope that every, every month I put a little extra money in. And every other year I get to go, I pay cash to go out hunting with my buddies uh, out west. And, and it's amazing how in two years I have enough money to do it. Uh, Tanya Wells did a little illustration for you and guys alike. It's, it's less than $5 a week. Just start a jar that says retreat or Jesus encounter, whatever it is. Invest in yourself. And by the time it gets there, not only will you have enough money for you to go, you may actually have enough money to sponsor someone else to go. And I, I'm just saying, this is not as difficult as we, we'd like to see it. We choke on the number when we first see it. But all year long, if I, I mean, it's on my calendar all year long. Hello, somebody. Uh, so we, we plan on that, and we're asking you to do the same, and we thank you that uh, you've done it. So... With that being said, um, I want to get into the last message of our marriage sermon series. Have you enjoyed the series? Okay. It's been good and challenging. And like I said last week, maybe there were some couples who weren't exactly in the place when we did um, the forgiveness part. Uh, and uh, who were ready to shred some things that had been filed. And if that's you, no one's judging you. Like, it's the same thing with communion. We want you to be postured so that in the reality of forgiveness, it's a real thing. It's not like, okay, tell, tell them you're sorry, you tell them you're sorry, and now everybody is done. This is about communion. This is about learning what forgiveness looks like. And so today, uh, we put another shredder on the stage. And if, if that's you and you've held on to that paper, amen. And you want to utilize that today uh, during our altar time, that's going to be perfectly fine. Amen. That being said, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody say, oh boy. You know, uh, I know during our dessert auction every February that's coming up uh, for the youth group, um, you know, we, we auction off a lot of desserts, and Miss Carlene King for years has been uh, making what we call the love cake. And... Um, 
It's been an incredible thing. This is what we like to call the love chapter. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes. Everybody say hope. Everybody say hopes. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Verse 8. Love never fails. So Father, would you bless the reading of our word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Every couple walks down the aisle thinking that their life and their marriage is going to be happily ever after. Because that is what's portrayed for us. Especially on the screens and stories and the books in the movies. Like, I, I promise you, my wife and I will go see a movie. It doesn't matter what kind of movie we go to see. It, it doesn't matter if we, if we go see, you know, uh, a very action-packed movie. It, it doesn't matter if we maybe go see a uh, sci-fi movie. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I remember like, uh, yeah, Bra- Braveheart. Or, I remember a lot of you guys maybe not know. It wasn't a very popular movie, but I kind of liked it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a pirate movie. It was called, uh, and it was about a female pirate. Uh, uh, and Gina Davis played the role of the... And I told, I told Nancy, I said, it's, it's Cutthroat Island. You remember, oh, come on, John. You remember that? Cutthroat Island, right? Like, I said, you know, I said to Nancy, I said, Nancy, you're going to love it. She says, I don't know. I don't really like those kind of action movies. I said, no, 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 no. It's a love story. <laughs> See? Thanks, Mike. I can sit in any movie. We can, my wife and I can sit in the theater, watch a movie. At home, we can watch a movie. And somewhere in that movie, at some point, I'm going to say, see? Aw, it's a love story. You know, John Wick, it's a love story. It is. They shouldn't, see? He's not over his wife. He loves her. See? Now I'm going to get emails about I can't believe you're a pastor and you watch John Wick. Listen, if you just leave people alone, you don't get John Wick. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal. Every couple walks down the aisle and they think their marriage is the one. Their marriage is the one that's going to prove happily ever after. It exists. It's real. It is not just a thing of movies. It's not just a thing of stories. It's not just a media type and shadow. But, but, but in just a few days, few months, or maybe a few years, then people always realize that happily ever after. What's wrong with people? Who lied to me? Can I say to you, hold on? Can I say to you, hold on? There's hope. I said there's hope. I, I'm a student of the scripture, and uh, I've been incredibly uh, enjoying Bible college and, and teaching, facilitating, I, you know, all the things that's happening, writing some courses, those type of things. Uh, and, and the church at Corinth is an incredible uh, church. Uh, it's, a, it's a new church, and it's going through some things here. And so 
Uh, the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to them because as a new church, they've been experiencing a lot of turmoil and, and infighting. And, and they're trying to understand as pagans, they come out of things. And, and they're trying to understand the body of Christ and those things. And, and in all of their confusion and all of their misunderstanding and all of their struggle, Paul writes a letter to them. And he's got one piece of advice that will fix the whole thing. Love. Do you know how many books have been written on 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians 14? Somebody tell me what those are. Spiritual gifts chapters. Do you know how many have been written about, hey, they don't exist anymore, they've passed away? Do you know how many have been written about, no, they do exist because they say until we all come to the unity of the faith in Christ and we're not in unity yet, so they're still here. Do you know how many, much debate has been around all of those two chapters about is tongues for modern day? Does it happen? Is there prophecy? You know, can, you know does the gifting of apostolic still exist among us? And all of this stuff. Do you know I mean, books, doctrines, denominations literally based off those two chapters, either yes or no. But Paul is brilliant. Right in the middle of those two, he says all the stuff you're fussing about, all the stuff that you, it, you think is messy, all the stuff that is happening, all the stuff that you're struggling over, let me tell you how it operates. Love. Love. And this is his prescription how the body of Christ should live out their faith together. He's writing to a church who's struggling to live out their faith together. And he's saying, let me tell you how you live your faith out together. Love. Let me tell you something, married people. How many of you know? Come on, somebody. You get married, you got to live your faith out together. You, you have to live your faith out together. When we first got saved, uh, I had an incredible relationship with Pastor Rick, and I was on a fast track of discipleship, and some things were happening. I was eating it up. And part of my wife and I struggle in the middle of trying to rebuild our marriage, too, was that she felt that I was progressing so much faster than her. And she struggled with that, and, and it caused some things in there. You know what? Pastor Rick set us down and said, this is not a race. This is a marathon. And this is not a competition between the two of you, right? Let me tell you how you live your faith out together. It doesn't matter whether Don's reading 10 chapters a day and you're only reading two. It doesn't matter whether Don's memorizing a bunch of scriptures or, or all these things and you're doing those. He said, love is how you live your faith out together as husband and wife. Let me show you. See... The reason husband and wives never get to living their faith out together is because they never get the understanding that love, love is the prescription. Paul gives us a picture that I think is incredible. Come on, somebody. And not only does he lay it out, he lays it out in such a way that I think that when we read it, we're like, is that actually obtainable? Like, how do we practice that? Why? Because the problem with us is that our image of love is broken. Everything in the world that we see that should be loving is broken. And it begins... Most of the time with the first two people we, see, we should see to demonstrate love to us, which is mom and dad. And whether they're married for a long time, not married for a long time, as children we are witnesses. We are firsthand witnesses to their struggle. And then whether we agree or we see things we shouldn't, we hear things we shouldn't, it forms an idea in our mind about is this actually possible? Is it actually worth it? Look at these images from our, our parents or, or from our past relationships, right? This is why I tell young people, listen, dating is divorce practice. By the time you get to the point where you're actually going to walk down the aisle and you think this is happily ever after, you have been in a habit of practicing divorce. Yeah. 
And so the first struggle that comes along, young people, when this person doesn't make me happy anymore, or they don't do what I want, or, you know, we've had this argument, we've had this misunderstanding. See, we we see that. Friendships. How, How many of us, listen, in this room, like, could we point to lifelong relationships? Because we've been there, we've been hurt. Get these images from our culture, from Hollywood, from the media, from news, from social media. The to- the sometimes I forget that, I, I, sometimes I don't forget. Sometimes I wonder if people forgot that they friended me on Facebook. And their stuff will pop up on my page, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> One day we talking about, you're my everything, and you're the cement, you're the beautiful, and the next day we talking about, I literally had to call a couple in my office on a Sunday morning because they had had an argument over faith on Facebook. The whole world saw them. What? And so here's what happens. We begin to compare our marriage and our relationship to other people we see on Facebook. Because they're perfect. Their life is great. They never get in an argument. Their kids are angels. My kids are demon possessed. Their husband's breath doesn't stink. Their wife never needs to brush her hair. When you start to begin to compare your marriage to something that is as fake as pictures on Facebook, and I promise you, I promise you, you're in a big boat of hurt. Because then you're going to start thinking, well, where's my Prince Charming? Where's my Sleeping Beauty? Where's the person who completes me? You begin to wonder, where's my happily ever after? And you start scrolling through all of their happily ever afters. And you never, you never saw the times they had to call the septic tank to pump the poop. No one's ever posting that on Facebook. (laughs) The problem is we go back to the beginning of our relationship when it's filled with so much excitement, when all those tingling romantic feelings are there. And for some of us, that lasted for a few months, maybe, maybe a few years. You know, that feeling... And, and, and we, we want to re- recreate that passion, and I'm, I'm, I'm for that, right? That love which filled the days, the nights that made us feel like we were walking on air. Come on, somebody. And we want to feel that all over again, and you know what happens? We think that leaving our current spouse for another person will do that. But see, there's a problem with that, because there's a common denominator there. You can never escape you. You're always there. In a few months, in a few years, I predict you will be in the same place because you didn't fix you. You you just worked for escapism. You worked for something else. You were longing for something else. You were looking for the feeling instead of the commitment. Listen, you can have the marriage you want with the person you're married to. You just can't be married like you were yesterday. We've got to commit ourselves to daily loving each other. And we have to be intentional about loving. And so I would say to you that love is more. It is is more than just about our relationship. It's about how we relate to God and even ourselves. And let me say this. I, I don't want to pretend that love is easy. Love is not easy.
Everyone in this room at some point will admit that we've even been disappointed with God. And we would admit that at some point in our disappointment, it's been difficult to even love God. You might not say it out loud. And let's just be honest. If we're married people, I don't care if you've been married uh, two hours. You've been married, you know, 80 years. It's difficult to love. It's not easy to love our spouses. So what is love? Now, I don't want to get into these, these cliches or these, you know, stuff that's been overworked so much that we, we just get bored with it. But Paul speaks intentionally, and that's what I love about 13. That's what I love about 1 Corinthians 13. It's not like Paul is just trying to fill up some space in your Bible. He is very intentional about where he puts this portion of his letter to the Corinthians. Spiritual gifts, all the power, all the fuzzies, all the warms, all the uh, exciting things. Love, that's the fuel. Spiritual gifts. He's very intentional about how it's placed in his letter to the Corinthians. And I love how he intentionally is using a word that we know is translated as agape. But I want to place this right here. It's a simple word that means putting others' needs above yours. Loving others as Christ loved us. And it's with this understanding that Paul says what? Love is patient. How come you have patience for a perfect stranger, but you have no patience for your spouse? Come on, somebody. When Paul speaks about being patient, see, he's not talking about waiting for your spouse to pick up their socks like they promised they would. Take out the trash like they promised they would. Fill the dishwasher up like they promised they would. That's not what he's talking about. (laughs) It's actually worse than that. (laughs) Come on, somebody. The kind of patience Paul's talking about is long-suffering. Whenever Paul's talking about suffering, he's referencing the suffering experienced as a direct result of his faithfulness to Jesus. How many of you in this room has a spouse? Don't raise your hand, but just in your mind. You have suffered because you have been faithful to your spouse. But see, suffering over our spouse is an expression of our love to Jesus. Romans 5, 3 and 4, and also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Everybody say hope. Hold on, there's hope. How can suffering produce hope? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because together, as you as a husband and wife are centered on Christ, you can overcome all things. Yes, I will never change my mind. You will never walk into my office. You ever see those memes uh, uh, that says, there's a guy sitting behind a Kool-Aid stave with a sign that says, blah, 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 convince me I'm wrong? Yeah, Yeah, you'll never walk into my office and convince me I'm wrong. You won't. You can convince me that you don't want to do the work. You can convince me that you've been hurt. You can convince me that what you've been through is a very wrong thing. But you cannot convince me that love fails. How can suffering produce hope? Because when we are centered on Christ, we can overcome all things. See, in marriage, we we never know what life's going to throw at us. Not one married couple stands on the stage and is confident of everything that is going to happen in life. Doesn't happen. We do know this. 
We get to choose how we respond. And, and there's plenty of times I have to go to Lisa and just go, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I did not respond well. I just didn't. I was, I was selfish. I was, you know, I was hungry. Hello, somebody. Um, I was tired. I was hurt. You know what I'm saying? Come on. We, we, and, and that's a legit thing. It's not an excuse. But see, instead of living an excuse, let's live. Let's live in overcoming. Right? I, this was on me. I'm going to own. Listen, here, here's what I love, Pastor Rick. He's sitting at McDonald's, and, and Lisa is working, and we're in the back, and, and, and she's trying to keep up with what we're talking about, so she's filling up his coffee cup. Whatever. <laughs> and I remember him looking over my glasses. McDonald's in Chipley, Florida. I can drive you right to the spot. Take you right to the table, right now. I remember him looking over his glasses at me and saying, even if you're only 10% wrong, you're still 100% responsible for your 10% wrong. (laughs) He's my pastor. He's supposed to be on my side. He's a dude. He's supposed to be on my side. Love is patient. And in... The suffering and the difficulties, we're not driven away from each other. Instead, we're driven to each other. And that's when hope springs forth. There's, this, there's another element here to patience and endurance that I love. When we go through the years and the years turn into decades, you need endurance. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Hey, uh, Katie, Katie, she was in the office the other day. You, you went on a hike, right? Did you do it all at once? How, how long was the hike? Eight miles. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Was there a time where you couldn't have done eight miles all at one time? Probably. Yeah, endurance, right? It takes endurance to hike eight miles. Just, uh, what are you doing today? Oh, I don't know. I'm bored. I'm just going to go hike eight miles. Yeah, in the mountain. What? Okay, have fun with that. Endurance is one of those things that you need to build up to. See, I was reminded of that last year. Uh, we celebrated 31 years in April of last year, and my wife gave me a card. Yeah. And I, listen, I, I say this all the time. My wife gives me a card, and, you know, here's the deal, right? Like, cards, cards are... Dudes are not... Car, I say this all the time. I'm like, sweetheart, dudes don't care about cards. She'll spend hours looking for a card. I'm like, babe... Dudes, dudes don't care about cards. We want the smile. We want to go to dinner. And... <laughs> but in the card, she wrote this. And I, I remember it. Because I remember what I thought when I read it. She said, I can't wait to see what the next 31 years hold. And I said, boy, she's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> but see, instead of being a silly not, that was a message of endurance. I love that portion of it. That was a message of endurance. Marriage isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And that's, that's the truth. And, and you've got to make a commitment to the person you're with. And, and that's the person you're meant to be with. Not because you're meant to be because you've chosen to love them. You've made a choice again and again and again and again. Because the Bible teaches us that love is enduring. And Paul goes on to say, love is kind. You know how much you will change the environment of your relationship just by being nice to each other. 100%. Just go one week without being mean to each other. Go one week, seven days, without being rude. I double dog, triple dog dare you. Right now, Elizabeth's class in, Bible, in, in the Bible college, uh, they were given the assignment to read Philippians. Now, you, you, know, you can read it right through. Uh, 28 days in a row. The book of Philippians, they had to read it every day for 28 days. 
Endurance, 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 right? And, and what happens is you get so familiar with something that now you get to meditate on it. You get to feel, you get to see things and, and experience and understand. You get a revelation that you don't because you're in there. See, here's what I'm saying to you. If you practice kindness in your marriage, the environment will change. But if you practice being rude, love is not rude. Give your marriage seven days and refuse to be rude to each other. It's kind. Be kind. How can I be kind to her today? How can I be kind to him today? What can I say? What can I do? How can I demonstrate kindness? Kindness with actions and kindness with words. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. The the first is kindness in action. Watch this. Paul uses this this kindness. It means showing acts of love to one another. What am I doing? What am I doing? How can I show you? I, I love you. My wife loves the book of Ruth. And she says every wife should understand the meaning of this type of commitment. The book of Ruth opens with the death of Naomi's husband and then her sons. It's a horrible way to open a book in the Bible. In just a short amount of time, her whole world's turned upside down. And so what she does is she goes to her daughter-in-laws and she says, Look, I want you to go back to your homes, back to the lands where you came from, and start over. Be fine, you know. And, and there's two of them, right? Uh, Orba, and, and she does. See ya, I'm out of here. And Ruth. She makes this statement. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. I'll never forget the night my wife was packing her bags over. <laughs> she hadn't read Ruth yet. And I, was, I came home and she's putting clothes in a suitcase. I promise you. We've been married six months. And she wants her bus ticket. Yep. I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm packing my bags and I'm leaving. I said, you better pack mine because I'm going with you. <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> and she said, no, you're going back on your word. You promised me a bus ticket if this didn't work out. You, you got to listen to it. Oh, where you go, I'm going. Wouldn't these be great words to pray over your marriage? Wouldn't these be great words to pray over your marriage? Ruth gives her life and her future Mm. to her mother-in-law. Can I say this to you? I I didn't put it in highlight. I should have so that you would have seen it up front or whatever. But you, you have the notes. We limit our understanding and expression of love to feeling. And when we do that, we limit our loving. When you limit your loving to feeling, you limit your loving. A lot of times we don't want to act loving because we don't feel loving towards your spouse. Can I tell you something? That's called faith, and you should act anyway. That's called faith. You know that you can love your spouse in faith. You can love your spouse in faith. I'll say this, outside of the love of Jesus, and I'll say it over and over and over again. And the love of the local church, it was the love of my wife that changed my life. You guys have no idea. We should nonetheless act. It's a choice. A few months before John Wesley had his famous uh, Eldergate conversation, he was feeling burned out. We were in England and got to see some of the places where John Wesley preached. And 
and it was incredible. Uh, some of the places that we got to go and see, it's, it's unique. Most people go to England and they want to see, you know, statues and, you know, naked marble statues and stuff. And I want to go see where the famous preachers preached. So we're, we're walking around and we got to go to um, Durham Cathedral where Cuthbert is buried in the backside of it. Uh, Cuthbert is, he's the one who brought Christianity to England. Uh, and he's buried back there in the back side of it. And we got to go uh, to the little bitty uh, church out on Holy Island where it's flooded uh, and it floods in the evenings. And you have to get out there and get off the island. If you don't, uh, you're stuck out there for the day. And, and the road that leads to the island, the water comes in so fast that they have like, we would call them hunting hab- uh, cabins here up on stilts. And if you get caught out there, you, you just spend the night up there or you get washed away. That's the only only way to get on and off the island and Cuthbert used to preach on a church out there on Holy Island and it was incredible we got to see all that stuff, I loved it I loved all of it but Wesley made this statement, he said how can I preach to others if I don't have faith myself, can I ask you something Christian, can I ask you something husband wife, married people, have you ever been discouraged have you, have you ever just said how can I how can this last, how can this work, how can this do it? come on Come on, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? How can we stay together? How can I encourage other people to stay together when my marriage... Come on, someone. Do you know how many times that my wife and I have had um, intense fellowship? And then I've thought to myself, how, how can we counsel others in marriage when I, I can't even get this right? He said, how can I preach... To others, if I don't have faith myself. This is Wesley. And so he asked a friend of his, Peter Bowler, and he, he said, Shall I stop preaching? And Bowler responded to him, By no means. He said, Preach faith till you have it. And then when you get it, preach faith. Wesley took his friend's advice. Even though at that moment, Wesley would say he wasn't even sure of his own salvation. And he shared the gospel with a guy on death row. His name was Clifford. And thus began the ministry of stepping beyond the bounds of his perceived faith to do extraordinary works for God. Wesley was launched into the miraculous. And see, the same is true for you and I. You, you may not feel loving, you, but you've got to act toward your spouse and do so until you do. And when you do, you'll act loving all the more. And I promise you extraordinary things will happen. Do you know how many times married people have come to my wife and I and said we could not believe it was that easy? You mean it was that it was that easy? No, I mean it wasn't easy. You just do the right things, you get the right results. Right. And sometimes you got to do what you don't want to. Yep. Do you know how many times my wife has has gritted through her teeth? I'm sorry. <laughs> I never look at her and go, "That's not good enough." Not one time. I've always said, come here, let me hug you. And she'll come over with her arms stiff like this. I don't care. Because this is about me embracing her. It's not about her embracing me. Do you understand? That's an act of faith. The second is the kindness of words. And married people need to learn this above and beyond anybody. In Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful and the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our words have the power to build and the power to tear down. Somebody say amen. Amen. Joseph Cavanaugh in his book, uh, it's called The Language of Blessing. He writes this, the words bring forth life. What you say has the power to give life to dreams and callings or to snuff them out before they have a chance to develop. The tongue has the power of life and death. You and I speak the language of blessing, not by downplaying God's good gifts to us, 
but by looking for and then acknowledging the ways others have fearfully and wonderfully been made by God. You've got to look for the God-given gifts in your spouse. They're there. They're there. And they have the power to change their life for the future. I encourage everyone, everyone. My wife would say her greatest, every wife should read Ruth with the understanding that there's the commitment God is calling for in a wife's heart towards her husband. And I would say this, and I need you to hear me with your good ear here because a lot of people are going to hear the wrong thing. I think every husband should read the book of Hosea. Not because your wife's a prostitute. It has nothing to do with Goma. It has everything to do that Hosea went to get her. But what you don't understand is that in order to buy her back, to redeem her, he sold the furniture, he sold the food, he sold everything in the house. The house was empty took the money and redeemed his wife, brought her back to an empty home. Do you know what Gomer saw? Not an empty home, but a husband who bankrupt everything because of his love for her. What husband wouldn't do well to think about the price God has called us to pay? How she must have responded. Initially probably angry. There's no food here. There's no furniture here. And then to hear him say, I sold it for you. I'm willing, I was willing to starve for you. I was willing to go hungry for you. I'm willing to be uncomfortable for you. I was, hello somebody. You have the opportunity to speak words of encouragement over your spouse. You have the opportunity to be prophetic in your love for one another. I see this in you. I'm grateful in this in you. I love this about you. I see God working in your life like this. I appreciate this about you. Words like you're amazing. Words like I love you. I love who you are. I love how you are. I love your dreams and your aspirations. I love what you do for me. They're incredible. I want to tell this story, and I'm going to close. So if we can have the piano player or whoever come up. Um, if you don't know our story, we're glad to tell it. We don't hide anything. Um, of course, uh, I've been on my own since I was 15 years old. I got married. At, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I got, I got married at 17, and uh, my wife left me at 18, and we had a six-month-old boy. You know him as TC, my son. And in that mess, in that wreck of how I had... Just imagine how a 15-year-old had been left alone by himself in a world could just mess up life. Um, it was tough. I got to see TC four days a month. Hello, somebody. Um, Saturdays and Sundays, four days a month. And I had to work every Saturday because I was a butcher and you people do all your grocery shopping on Saturday. So I got to see him basically one day a month or two days a month. It was tough and, and we, got set, I got, we got married. I was uh, 20 and uh, six months into that, Lisa's leaving. And anyway, uh, it was tough. We worked on things. We got saved. Uh, God delivered us. Uh, you know our story, and gave us a great pastor who was unapologetic about marriage, and loved that. Redeemed us in a way that was incredible. Um, my wife had a six-year-old daughter when we got married, so I love to tell everyone, "Hey, I'm a, uh, you know, my my daughter's listening. She's gonna kill me about this, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I love to tell everybody, hey, I'm 52 and I got a 40-year-old daughter." I prayed once we got saved and God was working on our marriage. I was praying, God, I I don't want to take my son away from his mom and those. It's not about my heart, but I I want to be with him. Come on, somebody. 
I want to be a man. I want to be the man of God in his life. I want to be who I, who he needs me to be in those things. And I, I did. I prayed, God, would you give me back my son? And I remember on his 10th birthday, I, um, I didn't get to see him. It was tough. I didn't get to talk to him. wasn't allowed to. And I've been a butcher and I run a meat department for a businessman. I, I, I look, I know how to run a meat department. I can make money running a meat department. And man, for a while, my, my business wasn't going well. And by that time, we were bivocational at a small little church pastoring. And church wasn't going well. And, and uh, man, I had failed at my, you know, I failed at everything that I'd ever done in my life. Come on, guys. And, and here I was, I wasn't allowed to see my 10-year-old on his birthday. I wasn't allowed to talk to him or say happy birthday. And, and nothing was working. And I remember just being crushed in my spirit. Come on, somebody. And I got home from work, and it was just horrible. And, and Lisa and I, you know, because my attitude was bad. Hello, somebody. We didn't have a good evening together. And I remember walking out on the sidewalk of my house in Florida beautiful Florida night um, stars and I was just crying because I'd failed at everything come on y'all y'all not hearing me I failed as a dad I failed as a husband I failed as a pastor I failed as a Christian I failed as a son I failed I failed and I couldn't take it I was just broke and at least it must have heard me out there and she came out, um, and she looked me in the eye, and she says, Look, I know it's tough right now. you stand with me? She said, I, I know it's tough right now, but I want to remind you of something. He's the greatest man I've ever met. Now, I knew that wasn't true. She said, let me tell you why you're the greatest man I've never met. Because every other man I've ever met in my life has quit. And you don't. And you won't now. And I'm confident that because you won't quit, whatever this is right now, isn't anything you and I can't overcome together. And I remember she hugged me there and we cried together on the sidewalk in our house in Florida I can drive you right to that place right now and we prayed and two years later we're, God called us to Michigan and I was going to have to leave my son he's 12 years old he lived 10 minutes down the road, and I could only see him four days a month. And when we told him, hey, God has called us to Michigan, this 12-year-old looked me in the eye and said, Dad, I know that's what God is doing in your life. And I said, I appreciate that, bud, and I don't know what the future holds for us. And you know what he said to me? I do. I said, you do? Tell me about it. He said, I'm going with you. I was like, oh, buddy. Thank you for your faith. But we know that's not going to happen. I only get to see you four days a month. But Lisa stood there. I stood there. Malin stood there. And this 12-year-old said, if God is doing that with you, God's doing that with me. And I don't know how God will make it happen. But God will make it happen. And two months later, we're on a U-Haul truck. Hello, somebody. With him right between us. Come on, somebody. He's a grown man now, got kids of his own. and All because of one night where my wife said prophetically, whatever this is, it won't destroy us because you don't quit. Let me tell you something, married people. As long as you don't quit, you don't have to start over. How many of you tired of starting over? 
Come on, married people. I may be tired of just starting over. Even in your marriage right now, okay, we're going to start over. We're going to start. I'm tired of starting over. You know how you don't have to start over? Don't quit. I'm not quitting. Whatever this is right now, because you and I aren't going to quit, we'll get through it. If you want to maximize your marriage, right? This is the way you change. Let me close with how Paul closes 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to direct this toward every marriage that's listening. Now faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is... I said the greatest of these is... Because wherever there's love, there's hope. Wherever there's love, there's hope. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this series. If you're married right now, would you just take the hand of your spouse? If you're not, will you just lay the hand on the person next to you? doesn't matter. But I pray for these people, my friends. God, you've called us together on an amazing journey. And Father, I, I feel like you deposit your heart into our ministry through your heart for marriage. I feel like, God, you're revolutionizing the local church because of the way we view marriage. God, that's bringing stability not only to the church, but it's bringing stability to family. And I pray that over us. These words that we've had the last six weeks, God, they are your words and we receive them as such. And so, God, would you hide them in our hearts that, God, the devil might not steal them and the world might not choke them out. That, God, that in our hearts would be fertile ground, that those seeds, the seeds of your words, would grow and produce the fruit of strong marriage. Lord, I pray for my friends, God, each and every time they're struggling, that they would break back out these tools. God, and they would use them for your glory. God, that they would show each other that no matter what this is right now, as long as we don't quit, we're going to get through it. Because you are with us. Thank you for these words. Lord, I pray for every paper that has been shredded. I pray for everyone that will be shredded. Have your way. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Uh, now I'm going to be honest with you. There's a couple of things. Uh, I have no idea whether we'll get to the sermon in the second service because we've got over 30 people who are going to get baptized. So I need you. Everybody say, Pastor Don needs me. I need you to post this message on your social media page when Breno loads it tomorrow. Just in case those who come to second service don't get to hear it. Okay? God bless you. Love you. Maximize your marriage. Turn around and tell someone you love them in Jesus' name.